Marshall and Sagar here. Welcome back to The Realignment. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our bi-weekly Q&A AMA segment where we respond to people who have subscribed to our Supercast. This is a free preview of one of the questions. If you would like to get the full extended Q&A and get the opportunity to ask questions, you could go to realignment.supercast.com. Subscribe, five a month, 50 a year, 500 for a lifetime membership. So I'll accuse you to give a quick shout out to why that's so important to the show, what we're building and where we're going. And then I'll get into the Q&A preview for folks. Yeah. I mean, we want to take this thing and make it as big as possible. We need the production value. We need editing costs. Every time Marshall does an extra episode or whatever, all of that costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars. If you want to rent a studio, up it, that's hundreds of dollars per hour. In addition to uh, having to pay people to cut YouTube and all of that. So I know it may seem, and there's a lot of talk of like, oh, you can do this with a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, you can. Um, but if you want to do it right, it costs a lot of money. So anyway, uh, we would really appreciate it if you support the show. We do what we can with the supercast and I mean, so with the QA and more. But really, what it is is like, if you like this and you want to support the work, then we need your help. I believe in this funding model. It's worked on breaking points. I've seen it work uh, many times elsewhere, and I really believe in it. And so we're really putting our trust in all of you. Yeah, thanks, Sagar. And here is the first question. Good one, too, that comes from our Mark Andreessen episode. It's titled, More Transparency or Worse Elites? As students of history, do you agree with Mark Andreessen's argument, taken from Martin Gurry's Revolt to the Public, that the nature of media and information sharing means that we see everything our elites do, and that's why much institutional trust is so low? Or do you think we have unusually mediocre and corrupt elites right now? Or is it something else? What do you think of the other half of Curie's argument, that the nature of an information society means that it's much more difficult to organize large groups or the public around positive ideas, and so much of our politics will inherently be about negation, which would make centralization much more difficult, if not impossible? I, th I think a good way to start this is to unpack several parts of it. So one, and this is my favorite topic, Sagar, I'm curious what you think about this part of it. I think uniquely, especially in, in comparison to American history, our elites are probably the least corrupt, quote unquote, they've ever uh -huh. been. Sure. In terms of direct pay for play. Well, I was going to say, explain exactly what you mean. Yeah. That. So, well, yeah. I'll, I'll give my perspective. Then you just like you you respond to it because my what I'm yeah what I'm basically just getting at is, look, fifties and sixties, you literally had fat bags of cash, just exchanged both over and under the table, and this determined elections. Primaries were completely untransparent. You literally had smoke filled rooms where these things were basically accorded. And, you know, we talked about this during the Mark Andreessen episode, but LBJ literally had a borderline illegal, corrupt, like ownership of the Austin commercial radio market. It wasn't borderline. The, yeah, fair. It's, <laughs> I was being, I was being, I was being generous, but that was, that was literally, um, to your point, Sagar, then <laughs> illegal, but it happened anyways. That could not happen today. Genuinely could not happen today. It does not happen today. And now I think sort of this is what you're into. The, the issue today is much more of the soft corruption, but it's just sort of like an interesting dynamic that I like to play around with. What, what's 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 your take on that bit of it? Yeah, uh, I I actually so I agree on the first part. Um, and more what it is is like it's really difficult. This could take hours, but I actually want to respond to the second part, which is that I completely disagree that niche and bifurcated internet and all of that. Uh, stops the ability of somebody to rise above and to unite because it's not 
look, we're actually more connected than ever before. And if you were to take that thesis to its logical conclusion, then there wouldn't have been national icons in the 1820s, in the 1830s, in the 1840s, in the 1850s, pre-telegraph era, or right at the beginning of the telegraph. There were national war. I mean, shit, go all the way back to the 1700s. There were national icons all across the United States in a time when it took an entire week of stagecoach riding to get from the East Coast over to California. So I just don't agree that having niched out types of, uh, of an information environment prevents the rise of a central figure. And my proof of that is entertainment. Entertainment still does have tentpole centerpiece figures, people like Brad Putt, uh, Tom Cruise. I mean, I still think it's been over months since I saw Top Gun. I still think about Tom Cruise's intro to Top Gun 2. I think it's one of the most brilliant moves in the history of entertainment because he took pure credit for it. He was like, hey, everybody, thanks for coming back to the movies. We put so much work into this. You're going to watch real entertainment, real G's, real. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. The whole country saw that. So anyway, I disagree with that. that I push back uh, on that real quick. Sure. But here's the problem. The two stars you just listed, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, are in their 50s and early 60s. Sure. So I've, I've seen people talk about this in the Hollywood context. There is a reason why people call Tom Cruise the last movie star, because even in the 20s and 30s generation, there's not been there's actually not been another replicated person. Yeah, I mean, not yet. But look, I mean, Timothy Chalamet is out. It's not like these guys don't exist. I mean, who's the guy who played Goose in... Um, or sorry, Goose's son. Miles Teller, like, well, I'll, I'll go there. Miles Taylor yeah. and Timothy Chalamet are not Brad are not Brad Pitt and are not Tom Cruise. Yeah, not yet. I mean, Brad Pitt. Or sorry, Tom Cruise wasn't Tom. Well, he's a little bit unique because he was famous when he was like 24. But anyway, it takes a while. I'm just saying, like a lot of people know who these people are. And so you, so like, is yeah. the take that is, are you putting forth the idea? Because look, well, all I'm pushing on is that like I think people who like study Hollywood would push back on this. You are saying that in 40 years, let's say 30 years. Timothy Chalamet has the capacity to be as dominant as a pre-internet star like Tom Cruise and even like an early internet star like Brad. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I didn't say it's a hundred percent, but I think it's certainly possible. I mean, Zendaya, she's amazing. I mean, she, Euphoria, uh, Spider-Man plus, uh, Spider-Man plus Dune. I mean, she's the tent pole of all these series. She's how old is she? She's younger than me. She's like 24, maybe like 25. Yeah, I absolutely think she has a capacity for something like that. So look, anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is, is it still possible? It just takes a tremendous amount of talent. So I would accept what somebody put forward, which is that we have mediocre uh, people who are inability, who are lacking the ability to kind of navigate the moment and the medium. And in periods of immense change, it takes somebody, usually it takes 20, 30 years for somebody to kind of come in, figure out exactly what the incentive structure, and then- to break out. I mean, think about John F. Kennedy, right? Which is that the mechanism of television had existed for what, a decade, maybe more of mass television in the household. It took a decade for a Kennedy to come along. And then even then it wasn't really perfected the television campaign and all that for till Reagan in like 1980. So anyway, people just need to, people need to understand how long things take in order for somebody to rise and take advantage of underlying like channels of change. One of the things I, I really enjoyed uh, Mark appearing on Joe Rogan's podcast. And the point that he was making is like when he created the, the internet browser, he had no idea what the 
he had no idea what he was starting, what he was beginning. And he also pushed back against the idea that we've reached like the end stage of the internet. He's like, no, we're just beginning. He's like, the fact that the legacy businesses even still exist shows that the internet still has so far to go. Eventually it will all centralize on the internet. So whoever nails that, they're going to be the future. Like we're, I just think we're at the total infancy of all of this. Yeah. That's really interesting because, oh man, I think this is the reason why I liked the way this question was set up in I want to focus then on the the second part of the first half, which is the unusually mediocre and unusually corrupt. So we can agree that today, I'm sorry, yes, it's cringe that Hillary Clinton took Goldman Sachs speech money. That is not unusually corrupt by the standards of American or frankly, even like Western political history. Let's put aside the East and those, those different bits. So then the next question would be unusually mediocre. And I'm really curious what listeners think of when they use the word like mediocre, because like, frankly, I would put forth the idea that if you look at raw intelligence, meritocratic achievements, those different bits, like Pete Buttigieg is almost certainly smarter, quote unquote, than a typical American elite was, especially pre-1950. Uh, Hillary Clinton's also in the same category. Bill Clinton, very, very, very smart guy. You know, it's it's actually kind of funny. Obama get, too, actually. Obama, Obama, oh, oh, Obama, smartest presidents that we ever had. Yeah, very, 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 very smart. So I think it's the best way to put this. Then is it's it's not mediocrity and it's not corruption. If we're treating those as like empirical things, I think the issue, and this goes to your point, where I agree with you about the way this plays out, is it's an inability to reckon with the fact that the world is changing and it's not quite a new. So basically the way to think we're kind of at the end of one era and the beginning of another one, but the old era hasn't completely ended and the new era hasn't completely begun. That's why we call the show the realignment. So politicians, actors, entertainers, whatever are forced to have both feet in the new and the old at the same time. And for just the vast majority of people, when you combine that with the toxicity of the political system right now, it is impossible to do that. Yeah. And you could be as smart as you want. You could be as uncorrupt as you want. And you're still not going to be really be able to take it to the next level when it comes to those things. Yeah. So let's get to the next question. If you enjoyed that free preview of Sagar and my bi-weekly realignment subscriber Q&A, you can go to realignment.supercast.com or click the link in your show notes to subscribe to get all of our exclusive content and support the show. Once again, that's realignment.supercast.com. See you next time.